Companies go through life cycles. Executives reach their Peter principle. Our guest, Lahir Ladani, works with executives and leadership teams to develop sustainable growth. Welcome to the Business Developers Network, where today's leading business developers share and learn innovative business development concepts to generate greater value for their businesses. Hosted by Artie Ruderman, Principal of Innovative Growth Solutions. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. And now, please welcome your host of the Business Developers Network, Artie Ruderman. Hello, and today we're going to be talking about executive and leadership team sustainability for growth. And we have today Zahir Latani, who is a, a – I was very impressed with Latani. I met him uh, at the Buckhead Club, and we started talking, realizing we're in the same lane together, which has to do with corporate and business development. And he specializes when a company is at that pivot point where they need to look outside, perhaps for coach and counseling. And with that, I'm going to invite Zahir to tell us a little bit about himself and how we got here. Thank you, Artie. Uh, it's great to be here. Artie, uh, my journey started uh, when I first actually moved to North America. Um, as, as I told you, I came to North America at the age of 10 as a refugee. And through the journey, I've been helped and mentored by numerous people. In my first job, uh, my, my first manager called Clark moved on to Chris Seaton, to Rudy Carson, to Mark Mallon, and other leaders who have helped me through my development. And as I moved through my college time and my business life in sales and marketing and business development, I was fortunate enough to work with these strong leaders. And in the work that we were doing, we were also coached by Vern Harnish, who wrote the book Scaling Up and the Rockefeller Habits. And so when we sold our company of Conexa to IBM, um, I called up Vern and said, hey, Vern, I'm looking to see what I do next after I leave IBM. And he said it would be a pleasure to have you join us. And so I've become a coach with the Scaling Up uh, methodologies and, and Vern's group. And so that's what I do is I help companies grow and scale. I have seen many different uh, processes, if you will, for coaching and training. I have – this is the most impressive of all, scaling up. Can you could, to give us a little dive into that? Sure. Um, so, so Vern has been uh, one of those founders of uh, entrepreneur organization. He was birthing of giants at MIT. And what he has done, he has taken all the methodologies of – of strategy, um, of growing businesses, and brought them into one book. He's taken the principles from Jim Collins on Good to Great and many other books. Uh, many people like top grading from the people side, from execution, from Stephen Covey. And he's brought them into a book that's almost like a playbook of how you can grow companies. And so it's based on four founding principles of a company. People, strategy, execution, and cash. And those fee, uh, four principles are what are the foundations of scaling a company. And as we go through later, already we can go into the details of that. But as a company focuses on those four and starting with people, this is how you scale a company. Well, the, the reason I enjoyed it as much as I did or it, it resonated with me is I owned a manufacturing facility for 20 years with upwards of 100 employees. 
And I actually felt as if that book, the author, <laughs> Vern Harish? Harnish. Harnish, thank you, lived my life. I mean, really, it, it, because, you know, if you really think about it, being a, a key decision maker in a company, whether you're an owner or, or, or a key executive, it's very isolating, right? I mean, there are, there are certain elements and certain decisions you have to make on your own and some that you really can't share. And the reality is companies go through challenges, right? They go through life cycles. Yeah, exactly. And, right? And, and you can kind of tell us a little bit about what's typical for a company to go through a life cycle. Absolutely. I, I think I love what you said. Is Being a CEO of a company is a lonely job. And companies go through what we call valleys of death. And, and, and if you look at the United States of America today, we have about 28 million companies in the U.S. And do we know that only or 96% of those companies have a revenue of less than $1 million? And so only 4% of the U.S. companies have a revenue of more than $1 million. And of that, only 0.4% have greater than $10 million in revenue. So very few companies get through those valleys of death. And those valleys of death are, are, are brought on by uh, the complexities of growing a business, be it having an infrastructure, be it having the right people, and being having the right marketing strategies. And that's where you come in also with the work that you do in terms of the marketing strategies and how you implement marketing. Those are the three key, three key pillars of growing a business as you scale your business. But what I like is that we complement each other yes. in, in the sense that you really work with the, the physical training side of, of helping and coaching and counseling the individuals and the leadership teams. Right. So I work with the senior leadership team in bringing alignment and strategy at the top level of the organization, and then they help take it down. What you do is you then help them implement the marketing strategies and stuff, if I got your right. So I work with them to bring alignment and the strategy and the core values and the core purpose of the business to draw the future map, an understandable, simple map that they can now follow. But what you add is that personal guidance and the process exactly. from, from scaling up. Exactly. I bring in scaling up processes. I bring in other processes from 3HAG and the metronome effect. I bring in Micah Porter, and I bring in my personal experience <laughs> of having been in the CEO's shoes also of making those tough decisions and when it's being a lonely job and you need somebody to talk to. Well, I'll give an example of, of a lonely job because many times when you're talking about private companies, you're talking about partners, you're talking about owners who are the key executives or family members, and sometimes you have very sensitive issues that, such as financial, uh, mergers, acquisitions, succession, and you really don't want the general company to know about it. And sometimes your executive staff might be your problem. Exactly. And I'm sure you've come across situations like that as well. Absolutely, Artie. My first question when I talk to the CEO, when we talk about people is, how many of your leadership team would you re enthusiastically rehire? <laughs> I, <laughs> you I can see the answer. <laughs> I, I wish we had a video so you could see my face. <laughs> and, and what's the expression of, of the leaders that you're talking to? You're invariably, the answer is no. Right? Would they enthusiastically rehire everyone on their leadership team? The answer is no. And, and, and it's usually, A, somebody's, they're, they're thinking about somebody. Second is some, there's an empty seat or somebody's very new. And anytime any of those three things happen, there is the foundation of a team of trust. 
And is there the trust in the senior leadership team built? And that's the number one thing I believe the CEO has to do is have a strong, healthy, aligned leadership team. And it starts from trust. Well, it, it's hard to jettison people because it's hard to attract new people. And how do you know they're going to do as well or, or better, right? And the reality is uh, we all as individuals meet our own Peter principle, correct? Yes. So when you take somebody that has helped the company and they're dis- in their particular disciplinary responsibility and sometimes they're put into a position, I'll give you a perfect example. In my manufacturing floor, I made the mistake often of making a super worker a supervisor and I wound up losing a good super worker and having a lousy supervisor. And I'm sure that happens at a key executive levels as well. Absolutely. And that's one of the key things in a growing organization is the players start to become coaches. And we all feel one of the best players can be the, your, your coach now. And sometimes those two things don't go together. If we go back to a sports analogy, if you look at the best historical coaches that are out there, they were not the best players and vice versa. Mm. And so a good leader, a good manager is not necessarily the best person on the field. And I see it over and over again in growing organizations. And there is a great saying that what got you here will not get you there. Yes. And so you need to, A, evolve yourself right. and the organization evolve. And sometimes even if I may be that strong is even the CEO outlives themselves. And they may not be the right CEO take them to the next level. And that's a very tough discussion to have. But somebody coming in from the outside like me could help them see it for themselves to see where they want to go. Or is it one of the other senior leaders they need to talk about? And that is a reality uh, because everybody has certain talents. Uh, I can only speak for myself. Mine, wor- mine weren't financial. Mine was on the business development side, innovative side, uh, attracting clients. So I needed to bring in a, a CFO as my business climbed and, and, and grew. But many people don't recognize that or do not, especially when you're talking about private or closely held family businesses right. where they're watching their margins and their EBIT very carefully. And why bring in somebody for six figures? I'll try to do it myself. Exactly. Exactly. And in and, and, and smaller companies, that's the first big step a CEO has difficulty taking is, where is my next executive hire? And am I going to bring in a CFO who's going to see all my books and he's going to help me now run this business? or the next one is the head of marketing, or the next one is head of sales, right? I I always say to the CEO, you always have to be your best salesman, but you don't have to take everything. You can be there to close the deals and go to the the final deals. But those are tough hires and tough decisions for a business to make. But if you take that forward, the more as you grow and you bring senior leaders, the biggest thing happens is taking from the CEO's head the vision of the organization, the purpose of the organization, and align everybody onto that same page. And that's the key thing we bring is a healthy, aligned leadership team before you can do anything in your organization. And what I have been impressed with is the process. You bring a process to it. So it's not just a matter of holding their hands and walking them through. It's something that is sustainable as you move on. Exactly. It is a process. It's a process of developing uh, 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 the whole scaling up methodologies from core values, purpose of your organization, to a big, hairy, audacious goal that's 10 to 15 years away, to then bringing it back to a three to five year goal, and then working our way all the way to the next quarter, 
And actually, if the team is up for it, and I highly recommend to the team, I break it down into the next 13 weeks of the quarter. And so we work in a week by week of what the actions are. I imagine it's sometimes very challenging to work with a family business where uh, a son or a daughter are being groomed to take over a leadership role, and perhaps they're really not set for that. Have you been in circumstances like that? And have you helped and guide either to train them or to get across that they need supplemental executive help? I've, in my experience, have not had the son-daughter. I've had the husband-wife. I've Ah. had the brother relationships. Mm -hmm. And there is the building of the trust of the capability of the family member that has come through. And the, the ability is there. It's the way they've come across that we have worked on, um, but they've come through very, very well on, on both. But those are the tough situations you need to do because I think for the employees in the organization, they have to, uh, they have to uh, trust that leadership that's coming in, be it a family member. And for the family member is to earn the trust ah. of, the com- or of people in the company. And it, it's bringing that awareness to that individual and coaching them to say, go earn that trust, because you can't demand the trust. I think the days of demanding trust and demanding work have gone. In today's day and age, I think it's an earning of a respect, of mutual respect of all the people in our organization. Well, respect could only be earned. Absolutely. That, that's true. So in, in those circumstances, uh, they, they, do they recognize that they need you know, they're at that pivotal point where the companies need to grow. There's two different ways of looking at, at businesses. One is the operation of the business. We make something and we sell something. We have a service and we provide it and keeping the operation and the logistics of that going smoothly. Right. That's a talent unto itself. Yes. But the other is the vision of the company as it grows, right? You talked about succession issues or, or maybe merger acquisitions or how do you achieve real – that big uh, – <laughs> Big, hairy, audacious yeah, goal. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there is this concept of we have to get the CEOs from working in the business to on the business. So the operations of daily, day-to-day, as you mentioned, and, and making sure the operations is running is working in the business. But they have to set that up in an appropriate manner so they've got it. They're in the business. Now they have to get on the business of where is the business going and where are we moving forward to. There's something else that I'm bringing into the organization is even when the CEO goes to work on the business, we bring this concept of they have to keep their nose in but don't get their hands dirty. Keep their nose in the business but not their hands in the business. Mm -hmm. So they're critically aware of what's going on through dashboards, looking ahead, developing leading indicators. And so they're not waiting for the month end close. They know in the middle of the month or before the month starts, where are we going to end the month? And that's the part of where we need to get to with the CEOs. Would, would you like to take us through the, the processes of, you know, starting with scaling up and people and strategy, execution, cash? Of course, sure. So I mentioned the four principles of mm-hmm. uh, people, strategy, execution, and cash. And most people think it goes in that order. I have a slightly different view. I believe it starts with people, and number two is execution. Um, first, if the leadership team is not healthy aligned, I don't think the organization can scale to the potential it has. Because if there's a one degree, two degree separation at the leadership team level, 
as the organization, and you take that degrees of separation in the organization, that separation is so far wide that strategies, intentions of the organizations can be undermined as it goes through the organization. So the first thing to work on is a healthy, aligned leadership team. Number two, I always work with the organization is prove to me you can execute. I believe 100% executed strategy or executed uh, execution is better than an 80% strategy because you can always iterate. Right. I think the days of finding a strategy, getting it 100% right, and then executing, by that time in today's day, and wor- uh, today's day and age, somebody else will copy you and move forward much faster. I think the expression is paralysis by analysis. I love it. <laughs> exactly. And so we work on execution second. And execution is not just we'll do what we say. It's getting your operations so it's, it's without drama. It's working like a well-oiled machine. Then we go and find and iterate a great strategy. And a strategy is giving industry-leading profit. And then we get into cash, and most people think, well, I'm profitable, I'm cash. Well, cash is very different than profit. Ah, Cash is like the oxygen that we need to breathe. Cash is like the fuel engine that an airplane needs to fly with, right? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the best examples, and, and now it's an old example in today's world, but if you remember, just 10, 15 years ago, we used to order things. The manufacturer would... Uh, make it, send it to us, then we would pay. Yes. They've changed the cash model that we pay before they even make the stuff. They've burdened, put the burden of cash onto each of us as a consumer. If you look at Costco, Costco reinvented or invented the membership. All of their profits in an organization are through that $60 or $80 membership fees. I did not know that. And they make very little margin on the selling of their works, of the, of the materials they said sell to us. That's why they're the, one of the cheapest products out there. But they make the money on the, on the membership fees. So I finally found the answer to the riddle. I lose on every order, but I make it up in volume. There you go. And you know who now just reinvented something and who's become almost a bank? Starbucks just did that to all of us. When we bought and prepaid onto our iPhones? Yes, yeah, they have over billion dollars of money sitting with them now, of prepaid coffee. My heavens, <laughs> <laughs> that's cash, right? Yeah. Now yes. they, they they've changed the model of cash. Imagine what they can do with all that cash. Yeah. And I think every business thinks, well, that's for the big boys. I, I there are strategies you can do, and we work with in every organization with their cash. It's not that simple. Oh, I'll collect faster. I'll pay later. It's much more complicated than that's that. That's very insightful. Yeah. People and then cash. People, execution. Ah, I'm sorry. Strategy mm-hmm. and cash we work on all the time. Ah, yeah. so and when we talk cash, we're talking cash flow, right? Cash That's flow. Right? Exactly. Cash mm-hmm. flow. And, you know, I did want to go back to something, and forgive me for, for going backwards, but you did talk about executive leadership uh, trust. Yes. And, you know, we talk about it. It's a word. Yeah. How does leadership develop trust? Um, if there's one book I highly, highly recommend leadership teams read is Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And that book, uh, Patrick lays out the five dysfunctions. And, the, and it's, he's got it in a nice pyramid that it ends up with attention to results. And the bottom of the pyramid at the bottom is about trust. And how a t- leadership team builds trust is actually starting to get to know each other and then delivering what they say. There is this, there, there's this, um, and it's skipping my mind, but there is this aspect around we as human beings 
attribute our misgivings to circumstance, but the other one to an individual's character. Yes. And how we get across and over that comes when you trust each other and you believe in each other. And that's what we need. We spend quite a bit of time of leadership. It's not let's just have kumbaya and get together in a circle and stuff. It's about real discussions and having a real discussions around what is really going on in our lives. And so in these methodologies, we actually add in, in the execution side, we bring in a daily huddle. And in a daily huddle of the senior leadership team, people go, so here, you're asking us to meet every day? And I'm like, yes. One of the most important things that we ask leaders to do is bring your team together for 15 minutes every day. And you only talk 45 seconds each. You say, what I accomplished yesterday what am I accomplishing today or attempting to accomplish, and what am I stuck on? If you do that every day, it will propel the organization to, A, move faster, but bring synchronicity to each of us, and we'll get to know more each other. Because some days it could be, look, I I have a daughter who's very sick. I'm I'm not going to be in today, right? Well, tomorrow, each of you will be concerned about my daughter. As soon as you show concern about my daughter, our relatedness will go up. Right? And that's the bringing the team together of synchronicity. It's fast and brings accountability and moves the organization to a great level. And forgive me for looking on the monetary side. It's also who's going to cover your responsibilities while you're out. There you go. Exactly. And if you add the monetary side, if I say, look, I have an important meeting with Trisha, and I'm looking to get an outcome of that meeting, tomorrow all of us are wondering, how did that meeting go? Mm-hmm. And if you did well, Fantastic. If it didn't go well, what was the learning from us so we can build the product better or we need to change our pitch? So a key is accountability. It's a, it adds accountability and it's self-accountability. Right? So because once we as human beings declare something to a group, we get very accountable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, indeed. Yes. So, so tell, tell us more now. Yeah. You're moving down the channel. I put you backwards, so I, no, I, forgive me on that. Fine. That's fine. So let's go into strategy, right? So strategy, one, the question when we get to strategy, I, I, the question I ask is, A, is it delivering industry-leading profits? But number two is, can you simply state your strategy? And I, every company I go to and any leadership team, and I ask them to state their strategy, A, none of them will be able to state it in one or two sentences. And two, they'll all be different. Now, you're talking strategy as a difference from mission. Yes. What is the strategy? Strategy is, is we want to be Google. We want to own the global knowledge base, or right? We want to do good in the world. Strategy is much more than that. That's right? vision. That's that, a vision, exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly, right? The, a strategy is we want to provide a differentiated value. Michael Porter says it very well. Strategy is not being the best at something. It's what is the added differentiated value we're bringing to the customer. And what is that differentiated value and to which customer are you bringing that? Right. So we work Mm -hmm. towards building that. We first develop and say, who are the key customers and our core customers? We then go into, if those are your core customers, what is the differentiated value you're going to bring to them? Then can you deliver that value? And then the f- f- fourth rung is, what's your brand promise? Can you give a money-back guarantee? Anytime you say, I want to give a money-back guarantee, everybody's back. Themselves, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> but imagine what it does to the organization. I could imagine. 
Right. There's one other element uh, that kind of like starts it all, really, and yeah. that's doing some data mining to understanding the uh, size of the market yes. and the potential of the market. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that goes into when sure. you, before you do your core customer is the size of the sandbox. We call it in the one-page plan. What is your sandbox? Where are you playing? Mm-hmm. Geographically, um, uh, but the distribution channel and within that, what is the sandbox you're going to apply? Right. One other aspect we help them draw, which is outside from the scaling up methodologies, but it's more from the metronome effect and the three hag way, is we help them draw their key process flow map. What is the process that makes money in the organization? And it's a very simplistic uh, chart for a five, six flow. Mm-hmm. We need leads. We need sales to sell, then we contract, uh, operations delivers, and then we collect the money. Well, in each of those five or six, we say, what is the indicator, and where are we now, and which one's red, yellow, or green in terms of the indicators, leading and lagging? And quickly, the business knows where they need to focus, and the whole leadership then aligns around that area that's being focused. And you try to fix each of those rungs as you go forward. And, and I've myself have gone through that in my manufacturing where we were making an item that was a huge moneymaker for so many years and didn't watch the clock when it wasn't, but yet I was putting resources behind it. Exactly. There you go. And, and you know, this fallacy of uh, we all have iPhones, but we think that's the market leader in phones. You know, iPhone is not the market leader in phones out there, but it's the number one company in the, in the world. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't need you don't need market share. You need you need to have customers who will pay you at a profit and you go deep into that customer zone versus trying to go broad. Mm-hmm. The toughest thing in a strategy is what not to do. As you know in marketing, it's easy to do what to do. The hardest thing is what not to do and then stick to it. It it is. I, I know what you speak. Right. So which customers and therefore which customers won't we take? And over time, Marty, I've got to tell you, when I get into the second year of my engagement, we actually um, end up deciding which customers we want to let go now because we shouldn't stay with those, some of those customers. Yeah. So we have about five minutes. Sure. I want to make sure that you get across everything that you feel is important. Sure. Everything you've said so far has resonated very well. <laughs> so if I were to summarize what I say is, you know, uh, as we said, you know, there are 28 million firms and majority of them are less than a million dollars. Very few companies scale. My advice to CEOs would be become learners. I actually don't take an engagement if the CEO is not a learner. A CEO needs to learn. When you learn, you can think. Then you can plan and then you can act. It's would, a four-way thing. Would, would that uh, – if you go to a company and the CEO says, I need help with the leadership team, but he himself – is not partaking, would that be a turnoff to you? It would be a turnoff to me. And I would work with him to get to be a learner stage before I would work with him. I don't normally take a CEO or a client just on a phone call. I always meet with them. I always have to get to a comfort level. Sure. Because, you know, we're putting my time in it and yes. his time in it. Mm-hmm. And he's going to put a lot of resources into it. We want to make sure it succeeds. We take our interest, and I become a member. I'm not a member of the company, but I start to use the words we, and what are we as a company going to do? Right. Because that's the important. So, A, CEOs become learners because this is the the evolution is very fast. Number two, I would ask is align your team and assess your team to the best and learn how to execute. I find CEOs go after the shiny object all the time. Learn to execute and execute. Do what you say. 
And then, look, Michael Jordan had a coach. Tiger Woods had a coach. Um, the coaches have their coaches. Every one of us needs a coach. Uh, it self, sounds self-serving, but I would say I have a coach because we all need somebody to help us think different and think outside the box. And so look for that. If you're in, then go forward with that type of thing. And then not every coach is the same for you. So you need to evaluate that. And in the minute remaining, we went through people, strategy. Execution and cash. Excellent. So we covered the four pillars. Four pillars of this. Great. Absolutely. So how would listeners get in touch with you? They can give me a call at 610-453-8461 or go to my website, uh, velocitystrategic.com, um, and uh, send me a note from that, and uh, we'll go from there. Excellent. This is Artie Ruderman, host of Business Developers Network, reminding you to keep developing your business. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel Networks, we want to thank our guests, sponsors, and you, the audience, for joining us on the Business Developers Network. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. Today's broadcast can be heard on demand on your favorite internet channels, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and across the PBC syndicated networks. We invite you to share the show using the posted social media links and join Artie Ruderman and his guests on the next episode of the Business Developers Network.